0: From the shores of Summer Lake in Tigard, Oregon, it's the Portland Tim Beers Podcast. A show featuring two guys who love craft beer and Portland Timbers soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Jason and Gary. Tim Beers,
1: I'm Jason. I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Timbers. We talk about soccer, beer, and and, yeah. and the Timbers going to the championship. Yeah!
0: That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, well, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing great, doing great. Good, good. Well, uh, part two of the Legacy Series with yes. Alan Sprint. So, uh, part one's sitting out there, been uh, 45 minutes, hour long. Yeah. And uh, pretty good reception so far. People are enjoying uh, listening to Alan tell some old stories about uh, beer. So, Yeah, the first of our Legacy Series. So, we will follow it up with part two this evening. Um and then we've got some uh, Kickstarter beer news, all that type of stuff, as well as probably some talking about the Timbers Championship oh, yeah. uh, run here. So it's kind of an unexpected thing uh, that happens next
0: weekend. So, yeah, unexpected, and will be pretty cool if we can pull it off.
1: Yeah. You remember where we were the
0: last time the Timbers were in a championship? Oh, yes. Where at? Columbus, Ohio. No. What do you
1: mean no? 2018.
0: Oh, they lost that one, didn't they?
1: And they were in Atlanta. Yeah. And where were we? Um
0: 2018? I don't recall. We
1: live-casted from Joe and Jay's Pacific Grill. Oh, Ruttons. that's right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. They give us all that all that beer swag and we yeah. rolled out of the place two sheets to the wind.
0: And there was hardly anybody there. That's what was Yeah, weird. right.
1: At Pacific and <laughs> Shit, it was a shit show. Like there was a ton. Of, we had all that swag and all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was a good time. Yeah. Not so that I can remember it. Well, what are you drinking, dude?
0: Um, That's a good question. It looks like a uh, Badlands Pilsner. By
1: Heathen Brewing. So this um, thing's uh, kind of a palish color. It's
0: actually really, really good.
1: So this is uh, part of the... Um, this is today's offering on the beer advent calendar. Oh, really? So, yeah. The Badlands Pilsner. It's a so very good beer. Not too bad. It's nice and crisp. Very clean. Very clean. Uh, clear. A little bit pale. So, and almost a little bit of a, I wouldn't say citrusy bite, but there's kind of a, a zest of something in it too. Well,
0: there's yeah. There's there's definitely the, uh, oh, what would you want to call it? Um, it? You're definitely getting more of the the fruit. Like almost the estuary type yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. which is, I like it. So, it's Badlands American
1: Style Pilsner by Heathen Brewing out of Vancouver. So, decent beer. Four beers lined up as usual. Um, and so, we'll work through these as uh, the night goes on. But uh
0: yes.
1: kind of a full spectrum of colors here.
0: Yes, there are. We go from light to uh, fairly dark.
1: Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's just jump into this interview. Uh Here's Alan Sprint's part two.
2: So, first off, I just wanted to thank you for clearing my tongue and clearing my taste buds because Jason, the asshole that he is, served me a...
1: I got a syringe full of Lupomax from Yakima Hops. Extract. So, the extract hops. And uh, so, I was like, hey, Tim, put a little something on your fingertip. Um, <laughs> Straight, and man. so, prior to this interview, uh, oh. Tim put a piece uh, on his... And he hasn't been right since. <laughs> he I've had, had not been right since high school. But that being
2: said,
3: the be local coffee. Yeah.
2: I've had three bottles of water. I've had two beers. I've had a smash burger. Which, folks, if you get a chance to come here and have their smash burger on, I believe it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday until they run out, which is what it's Who advertises us. Who does make the buns? That's well, Alan. Alan makes the buns, man. Yeah. Alan makes really good buns. And now you've finally cleared my taste bud. This will all get cut because everything I ever say on this podcast gets cut. But thank you very much. Could you, once you're done with that sip of auto, which thank you for bringing this out. Um, can you just explain what it was like to be friends and what the collaboration was when there was 5,000 nationwide brewers, 500. 500 versus what there are now in And the relationship with, like, you and Rob and Kirk, and you mentioned Star Brewing and six others that are now extinct. Just what the Portland scene was like. Well,
1: I think this ties into the Brewer's Guild, too. So let's talk a little bit about the Brewer's Guild and kind of the importance of that. Because that's where a lot of that foundation actually, that relationship actually occurred, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, originally, uh, the Guild was called the Small Brewers Association. Uh, But... The group that actually was doing the Oregon Brewers Festival was called the Small Brewers Association. So the Small Brewers Association was Bridgeport, Widmer, and Portland Brewing. And they didn't want the Brewers Guild to be using the same name that they had. So they were going to sue the <laughs> what's now the Brewers Guild. Uh, and so we had a meeting up at um, Mount Hood Brewing in Timberline. And uh, what are we going to call this group? Now that they're going to sue us, they don't want us to use that name anymore. And so I had been to Belgium, and uh, uh, Brewer's Guild was Mm. a very old thing in Belgium. And so I suggested that we call ourselves the Oregon Brewer's Guild, and uh, the rest is history. Now there's Brewer's Guilds across the country. Uh, The one here in Oregon was the first, uh, and now I think there's one in every state. How active active is the
1: Brewer's Guild now?
3: Well, the Brewer's Guild is very active, uh, you know, in certain areas of our life. Uh, I believe that um, almost 200 of the 250 breweries that are here in Oregon are members of the Brewers Guild. Uh, They work uh, for us all on legislative issues and a lot of uh, educational things, and um, it would be a great loss not to have our Brewers Guild. Um, I'm actually looking for a, a new brewer right now, and the Brewers Guild has a website that advertises uh, for jobs and so I was able to list the job for Brewer on, on the Brewers Guild site. So. Right, and so
1: you can solicit for people that are in the area that may be looking for work, and, and members can do that. Um, so I'm not going to ask you for who's not in the guild and who's not participating, but um, talk about the Oregon Brew Crew and some of the brew, and the importance of some of the brew clubs that are around to craft brewing.
3: Well, I think that uh, there was a time where all of the uh, Inspiration and new energy for breweries in this country came from home brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, I think a lot of that uh, is more professionally trained. There are a lot of people who go to brewing schools who end up becoming uh, brewers in breweries. Uh, and when I started, nobody had really gone to brewing school. Right. Uh, and so those kind of things are different. Brewers today, I think, are much more educated than i am or was at the time and uh i think that's a good thing for the consumer i think beer right now is as good or better than it's ever been there are more beers to choose from it's it's such fantastic time to be a beer drinker uh being a brewer is getting a little difficult because there are so many Mm -hmm. brewers and um I feel fortunate that we have a little bit of an alley a lane that we're in and we make a certain kind of beer and there aren't that many other brewers doing what we're doing uh, i used to think that they couldn't make the kind of beers that we make uh, but that's really not true there are a lot of other brewers that make very similar beers uh, that are really fantastic uh, and we're inspired by a lot of other brewers in this country now too so it's a good time for us um, but you know, I'm getting tired. It's been 30 years and uh, I don't feel like I did 30 years ago.
1: Well, let's talk about tired. So, COVID hits, right? So, changed everything you built this beautiful building, tap house, a um, lot of stuff happening. You're expecting people to come in, buy your beers. COVID hits, that shuts things down. What happened to you? How did you how how'd COVID affect you and more importantly, how have you survived COVID?
3: Uh, Well, it was definitely significant. We closed in March of uh, last year uh, and stayed closed until uh, July of this year. Um, So it was a year and a half uh, of no uh, tasting room, which was uh, 90% of our income up to that point. Uh, Fortunately, I've been saving beer for 30 years, and we were able to release our vintage seller to the public for sale. And so we've been selling all the beers that I've been saving uh, and that's helped keep us afloat. So there are a lot of people across the country that have bought beers from us and it it really has helped uh, keep the door open. Um, We did have a bit of a wholesale business when we closed. And so thanks to our distributors, we're able to maintain that wholesale relationship and we still send beer to a handful of different states we send some beer to Europe but some beer to Asia. Uh, and uh, it's a way for us to survive without having the tasting room.
1: Man, each answer offers me like so many paths to head down. And so I'm like, do I head here? Do I head here? But let's stick on COVID and the cellar. So I remember watching you on Twitter. You're quite active in Twitter. And um, <clears throat> I remember you the very first time you started posting about you're opening the cellar. And you're going to start sending bottles. And, I, and the, my gut was like, Ugh, like, oh, my God, these guys have been affected by COVID. What's going to happen to Alan and Hair the Dog? So with that, um, how has that been? I mean, that's obviously kept you and it sustained you. And eventually you have to empty out the cellar. Like the, the cellar can't be the cellar forever.
3: Well, I'm a pretty good saver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and for a long time, I think it was frustrating for people that came to our tasting room because I would not – allow them to take the beers to go yeah you had to drink them here and so that was a, a an effort from me to try to make sure that we had these beers for 10 or 20 or 30 years to come but after covid i'm not sure there's going to be 10 or 20 or 30 years right to come and so uh, everything is for sale now and i saved a lot of beer so we still have plenty of beer i you know, really very proud that we're probably one of the few breweries in the world that has maintained this kind of library of beers and offers it for sale to their customers.
1: How, do, how does it hold up? So some of the early stuff that you've done, does it hold up just fine?
3: Yeah, I, I think that uh, I've been very surprised uh, and I had high hopes. And so some of those beers from the very first year we were in production are still amazing beers to drink. Um, The second, third year, you know, this beer we're drinking right now. Yeah. uh, 2016. And so this beer was probably made in 2015 and sat in barrels for another year and then was bottled in 2016. Uh, And it still tastes fresh like it was bottled yesterday.
1: Yeah, and ridiculous. And, again, super sweet. So much character out of this beer.
3: Uh, Otto is a blend of peach fred and cherry fred. And, um, yeah, I think it's tasting delicious, and it's a real testimony to what happens to beer as it ages. Uh, This beer was delicious when it was young, but better aged.
1: So so aging. So there's aging in a bottle, which is totally different than aging what I'm looking at here, right? So these casks.
3: Well, there are some, some things they share in common, but, yeah, there is differences.
1: So your beers in the bottle, right, have a lot of malt character, They've got a lot of sugar, residual sugars traditionally inside of them, is what I would say. Um, and so they age better in the bottle, much more like a wine?
3: I think so. I mean, the alcohol content also helps. Yeah, right. Uh, that's a big thing. Um, yeah, we haven't really experienced big problems with aging beer in barrels for eight years. I don't see wax tops. No well, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't believe that really helps the beer much at all. It just frustrates the beer drinker.
1: It just increases the price by about five bucks a bottle is what happens. (laughs)
3: Um, But no, I I think that not everybody likes older beers better than younger beers. Some people, their preference is for some of those flavors that only occur when beers are young. And other people uh, only like flavors uh, of mature beers and you know things that have gone through different stages of their life. Um, but that's why we offer things at different stages and so there's something for everybody and I also think that you can appreciate those different stages of right. life and so you can appreciate the barley wine when it's fresh and has those great hoppy characteristics that fade as it ages and also becomes an interesting beverage when it's 10 or 20 years old.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, and I'm not on mic, but I, it's one of the things I appreciate about beer is that again, um, a lot of people talk about the oxidization of this beer and it doesn't hold up in the bottle, and to me it's it's a spectrum, right? Yeah, it's not the way it was when it came out, right? But it is the way it is today, right? And it's just a different way of looking at that, and and I think people are too much of, I want it like it was when it first came out that's the way it tasted and it's that whole evolution of how it should be and changing that mindset which is what the wine mindset is so
3: no you have to appreciate those changes
0: so when when you look at your barrel aging program one one of the things i'm always interested in from a barrel aging standpoint is especially when you start looking at eight years in a barrel how much loss are you guys achieving in that barrel and how do you how do you account for that I mean, for eight years, that's a long time in a barrel.
3: Excuse my chewing. No problem. Well, fortunately, I'm the boss, and I don't need to account (laughs) for those kind of things.
0: Yeah, Gary.
3: We don't really measure the volume we get out of the barrels. I understand that there is ullage, and there's things that happen as beer ages, um, but... Um, there's no expectation. There's going to be a certain number of, of gallons okay. in a barrel. Uh, so uh, if we look behind us, I, I, don't know, I can't see the ages on those barrels, but I know those little barrels up on top are from Stone Barn Distilling. We did a project where they aged Adam uh, in, or they aged their rye whiskey in cherry Adam barrels. Okay. And then they gave us some of the rye whiskey barrels to age Adam in. And so those very small barrels up on top of that rack have probably been sitting there for six or seven years. I don't necessarily have a timeline on when they should be emptied. Uh, this is kind of new territory as far as breweries go. And, you know, uh, a lot of my feeling is the longer the better. Well, the thing I love about this
0: is, is one, you're still brewing on a four-barrel system. And then the barrel aging process as you brought up you're the owner you don't give two rats asses about quantity that comes out of the barrel it's the quality that's coming out of that barrel sure. and the, the one thing that really stands out to me that's so impressive is there's not too many brewers out there that can that pull that off and it's because you don't owe the bank anything so it's more the love of what's going on with the, the beer itself instead of the dollar driving what the business is doing. And I absolutely love that. Well, thanks. The, owners,
2: thanks. the stock owners impacting what you do, why you do, and it's you and it's your taste buds and it's your chasing what you know is right. That is amazing.
1: All right, so I'm surprised I gave the mic over to these guys, but um, <laughs> I, but they didn't ask it. So I'm looking at this concrete Richard Pryor. Love that. So let's talk about Richard Pryor. So, sure. Because I know it's on their minds. Fantastic comedian. Yeah. So wonderful comedian. Um, and we can talk comedians yeah. all day. So Chris Farley, Belushi, I mean, all these. But Richard Pryor standing in front of me. What's going on with Richard Pryor? What, uh, what is it produced? Why is it there? And what difference does it make?
3: I think it was probably about 10 years ago I became aware of this type of fermentation vessel. Uh, they're a little more common or a lot more common in the wine world. Right. And so there is a place in Northern California, Sonoma Cast Stone, that has been making these vessels for wineries around the world for some time. And they decided that uh, they would market to breweries. They invented a vessel that looks a little more like our Celinda Conical stainless steel tanks that has a funnel on the bottom, almost like the inverted egg, where the funnel is on the bottom. Uh, And that was uh, for the brewery world, but I kind of saw a little more potential in this shape tank. And so this is made for the wine world. We've used it for uh, 20 or 30 of different beers we've made. And um, over the years, I've learned to use it in different ways. Originally, I thought of it As a big barrel, but it's not a big barrel. And so now I use it uh, as a fermentation vessel. Beer spends a week or two weeks at the most in that tank. And because of the thermal properties of the stone, because of the shape of the vessel, it creates a more gentle beer, I think, more soft, rounded edges. Hmm. And so our bourbon Fred from the stone, I think, is maybe a, a sweeter fruitier than the regular bourbon Fred.
1: Yeah, I mean it rounds it out because uh, again it's not as not as up and down as far as some of the curves. We talk about in life right kind of balancing the highs and lows and I think that does a pretty good job with temperatures and all sorts of things of keeping the lows high and the highs low. So
2: I'm curious about when we talk about Richard Pryor, it seems to me in my that concrete is very porous and it would suck out a lot of the flavors of one beer, yet you've mentioned you've used it in 30 or so batches. Is there any, I don't want to say cross-contamination, but is there, how does that impart itself and change it, if at all?
3: You know, I've always used the same yeast. I haven't tried to use different yeasts. So it's quite possible there's some resident colony of yeast in the tank. Um, I've been real careful about the tank, trying not to introduce any kind of foreign microbes. And so we've always gotten, I think, really clean beer. But the more you clean it, the more uh, concrete scrubs off from the surface. So you do have to have uh, faith in a way that most brewers don't have faith. It's much easier to use a stainless steel tank than it is a concrete tank.
1: Well, I think it's kind of like the... Again the the Belgians right which are using oak or wood <clears throat> or vats right and so you just take on the character of what it is and so it is what it is and it, it, kind of the open air fermentation thing right so if I if I have a airship or a cool ship rather, um, it's just gonna take on whatever its essence is. Well I, I'm impressed by the egg so I look at I look at this huge egg and uh, again I'm thinking about smoked meat um but it is a massive awesome beer maker so
3: you know even though uh we've been making beer for quite a while I still think about what I can do to make beer more interesting for right. beer drinkers and so I took a bit of a gamble on this tank and um paid off not financially <laughs> but um you know, it was an experiment. I think some of the beers I've made in this tank are the best beers I've made. Really? Um, but not everybody feels that way. And that really is my job is to please other people, not just me.
1: So I see some sideways tanks up there. So there's propane. Are they propane or some sort of <laughs> reconditioned tank? What is that one that looks like it's they're actually called
3: They're called horizontal. Horizontal, fiber. okay. Sediment falls quicker right. in those tanks because there's less distance to travel. Right. So beer spends a week in our big, tall, slender conical tanks, okay. and then two weeks in the horizontal tanks. We don't filter our beer, uh, so we rely on gravity huh. to drop out sediment.
1: Inter- are you using gelatin or anything else? To- no, just no, gravity. Just gravity, interesting.
0: So are you harvesting off your horizontal tanks?
1: No.
3: Okay. You really can't harvest off them.
1: Are you doing any the harvesting? It settles in the bottom. Are you doing it? any harvesting at all?
3: No, we have a separate yeast tank.
1: Do you? Oh. So we grow
3: yeast that never is exposed to high gravity worts.
1: And you're doing you're doing the same yeast with every single batch,
3: for Roughly. the most part. Yeah, oh. we've done some collaborations with different yeasts, okay. but we use uh, a Scottish yeast from y Yeast. Man, year.
1: you are magic! Like every yeah. single time. So collapse. So it's the it's the rage right now. Everybody's doing a collaboration.
3: Where are you at on that? It's actually kind of fallen off. I think you're so really. You're so twenty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're so twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. All right, look. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll walk down the path. But that being said, who are you collabing with?
3: Well, uh, right now, I don't don't <laughs> have anybody. <laughs> who have you up. collabed with? Oh, we, we've had some fantastic brewers from around the world. Uh, Shikokon from Japan. Tocal Model from uh, Italy. Uh, Belgium, we've had the Destruce and Netherlands, we've had uh, De Molin, and uh, uh, Rui Dopp, and uh, Maxim. And-
1: so this this guy, this guy Allen, so just big time dust because what happened yeah, here? You know what, <laughs> drop he's, he's dropping international brewers and like the guys now are like, oh, I collaborated with Barley Browns. I really? collaborated with Double Mountain. Which are great, right, in the region. Brewers. But Alan's pulling out international brewers yeah, that he the can do. The last
3: collaboration I did was in Bamberg. We brewed with <laughs> oh! Narke and Gonstaller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so what percentage of those collaborations, that I'm drooling over here, are them coming here versus you going there? And can you explain the process of how did that start? And is that a brewery or brewer that you admire? Or do they reach out to you, et cetera?
3: You know, it's it's been different uh, on different occasions. A lot of times I rely on people in those parts of the world. Uh, we have a very good friend in Tokyo who has a bar and has been buying our beer for some time. And I said, Koji, who should I work with in Japan? And he's like, oh, you have to work with Shiga Igo is the best brewer in Japan. Wow. And so we went to Nagano and we brewed with Igo uh, not once, but twice. And he is a fantastic brewer. He's also come here several times. Mm. I've actually gone to Belgium with Igo and we brewed uh, to Streus together. Wow. And so uh, it, it, it's really been uh, fantastic for me as a brewer to work with people from other parts of the world and realize that even though we've grown up, so differently, we have so much in common.
1: So the lesson learned lesson learned here is collaborations are not created equal. No. So right, <laughs> and we don't need to go much more into that. But <laughs> again, international collaborations are much different than domestic slash Oregon no. collaborations. So
2: thank you so much for sharing. I am amazed at how many different world renowned breweries. You're not just reaching out to Oregon. You're reaching out across the globe and finding the studs of the studs, which kind of shows.
3: Well, not to, not to, to brag, right but we actually have two beers on tap today in the tasting room. We have that Italian collaboration I right. did with Tokamato, mm-hmm. and we have Side by Side, which is a collaboration with De Molin and Conan um, in Japan. So I think they were all done here.
1: Gary had Side by Side earlier, so um, let's, let's talk about IPAs. So, again, you're known really? for.
2: You're going to downgrade from
1: this. Oh yeah, I'm switching gears. So oh. let's talk IPAs. So <laughs> you you admitted you chased some IPAs. So oh, I, I like my IPAs. You yeah. like your IPAs. So, but it, when I think of hair of the dog, I'm not thinking IPAs, mm-hmm. right?
3: Well, you've been in a closet for I don't know how long. <laughs> whatever,
1: whatever, whatever.
3: So <laughs>
1: so so you're heading down the path of IPA. So when I think I'm thinking of Adam. I'm thinking Fred. I'm thinking a. I'm thinking a like more malty. Even if you
3: were around in the 80s or in the 90s, uh, you would have known, Ed, which was our uh, very hoppy uh, small beer, which we made from the second runnings from Fred. And did you classify that
1: originally as an IPA? Because it didn't exist, right? IPA, the class.
3: Um, we didn't really call it an IPA. No, no. I called it a small beer, and everybody right. wanted to know what a small beer was. And then after you explained what a small beer was, they decided to have a regular beer.
1: And when the class hit,
3: then it was like, oh, it was an IPA. Well, even Fred is an IPA. By class
1: is an IPA. I, yeah. What? IPA. How has that changed? How has that evolved? Everybody's got to have an IPA on tap because people want IPAs. What have you done to kind of adjust to that? So you you say, like, look, we've been brewing IPAs since the 80s. But an well, IPA we, from we the definitely 80s have. is even, very different. Even our
3: Blue Dot has been around for a long, long time.
1: But it's very different than what it was early on.
3: Not so much. Really? Uh, the brain bill is the same. The hop bill is pretty much the same. Uh, there are different hops we use now. We have a different hopping device. You can use the hop have, back? Uh, we call it a hop-to-puss. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a hop-back, right? No. No, what is it? Hours? No, it's a hop-to-puss. And What's so we like? we can fill it up with hops, and we can circulate beer finished beer from the fermenter through the hops and back into the fermenter so normally a hop back is in between the kettle and the whirlpool
1: circulating but that's
3: the hot side and so we want to get the the only cold side and so after beer is finished fermenting we're not worried about driving off any of the essential oils we can uh, circulate hops through this we use whole hops both in the kettle and for dry hopping uh, and we can accomplish a dry hop in 24 hours. 24 Wow. So before we added pelletized hops to the fermenter and waited for them to f- settle. Yeah. And it took weeks. And we also left some particulate matter in the beer which changed color as it aged. Huh. Nowadays we're using whole hops. It happens much faster and we have much longer shelf life. And Interesting. Much better stability.
1: All right, so you're an early adopter of the IPA for the phase, right? So, you were brewing IPAs before they were called IPAs. We'll just call it that. So, how has that changed your business model? Like, people are still—they come in. We talked about this early on, right? I want a light beer, right? I want a pilsner. I want a something that tastes like PBR. Versus, I want, oh, I'll try Adam. Oh, this is the best beer I've ever had. And then there's the guy that wants the bitter beer. So, how have you had to evolve your business model? to deal with all the different tastes, or have you?
3: Yes, uh, we definitely
1: have. You have, right? We talked about light beer, and you you chose to offer one. There's a difference
3: between what we sell here in the tasting room and what we sell elsewhere. So I will admit that most of the beer we sell elsewhere are IPAs. The Blue Dot, Green Dot, Polka Dot account for... 75% Uh, 75% of our package sales. Wow, that's a lot. But they don't account for 75% of our sales in our tasting room. And so people come here to experience different types of beers. They drink them in smaller glasses. Uh, it's more of a tasting experience. Uh, people are uh, investigating and learning. I think the things we sell out in the world, in the market, are people that want to have one or two of the same thing. And it's a different situation, mm-hmm. so you have to satisfy both markets. Uh, there was a time where we packaged Adam and Fred um, three, four, five times a year, but now it's only once a year. I think we pack. Packaged-
1: I think I and I, I actually look forward to that because it's much like Abyssmuth, right? Abysmus yeah. is a Christmas. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Gary. I look at Adam and Fred the same way, or I'm like, oh, this is the time of year. I got to look for that, right? But does that equate to volume and dollars the same way if I did it that over the year during like every month of the year I was releasing it and so I Well I don't know there was why.
3: a time not too long ago that we did not have a tasting room. And right. so a hundred percent of our sales came from our wholesale business.
1: Great measurement. Yeah.
3: And nowadays it's probably only thirty percent of our sales come from wholesale. Hmm. Interesting. During COVID. Mm. Well, during COVID, it yeah, was it the seller, right? Yeah, Which, we didn't have to me, is tragic, right? <laughs> but it was, it was all-to-go business. And so, um, yeah, things change. Wow. It, there's definitely not as much margin on business that's not done here. We make more money on things that are sold yeah. here.
2: Can we backtrack? I'm sorry. We might have to go to the 90s or the early 2000s. How did you ever settle on this location right off... I-5 284 to dude stealing the good hot (laughs) peppery pizza Um, this amazing location which is east side but it's so centrally located and nice job in securing this location
3: you know I was very fortunate that the gentleman who owned this building uh, owned a few other properties in this neighborhood and was motivated to try to bring Somebody into the neighborhood who would attract people into the neighborhood, right. and so he was passionate about bringing a type of business that would have a wholesale aspect of it, still be industrial, but have a retail aspect too. And so he was very generous and allowed me to buy this building uh, eleven years ago because he wanted to bring somebody like me into the neighborhood. Uh, I probably would not be able to do what I've done. Uh, if I was looking for something today. Uh, But, no, I think he was real generous in what he did. And, you know, he's a little bit of a visionary. And he invested in this neighborhood 20 years ago when there was nothing here but warehouses. And he's been able to cultivate a bit of a a, a neighborhood reputation. And so now people come to the uh, inner southeast industrial district looking for different things. Uh, And that never used to happen.
1: Three more questions. Tim's got one. I have to get him the beer. Oh. All right. Oh,
2: Cut it. Cut it. All
1: right. So small intermission here. What did we <laughs> learn there, kids? <laughs> a
0: lot. Yeah. I mean. There's so much information in this interview. It's just insane.
1: Yeah. I mean, the guy's a wealth of knowledge. He goes back to the 90s, early brew scene. Yeah. Creator of the Oregon Brewers Guild. Yep. So um, has a hoptopus. A hop-tipus. cold side, hot back kind of thing.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was basically the inventor of what they're calling cold IPAs, right? These right. days, right?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure other guys were doing it at the time, but um, we never put our eyes on the octopus. But no, we never be interesting to see to take a look at what the yeah. octopus actually is. Yeah. Um, but again, as you as you hear, this guy um, quirky, awesome sense of humor. Dry sense of humor at times where you're like, is he joking? What's going on here? <laughs> and then all of a sudden he cracks a smile. Um, Tim's a comedian.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I think this is probably one of the most fun interviews we've ever done. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Just the the atmosphere, um, the knowledge that was shared, and and just the, the general camaraderie that happened in that that one it was a blast i loved it
1: yeah well and it helped that we were drunk as skunks uh walking out of the place so <laughs> jesus um all right beer number two what are you drinking dude
0: i believe it is a i believe it's an ipa right it's yep. rat majesty
1: yep rat majesty hazy ipa uh this is a by ghost town brewing and uh this is again part of the beer advent calendar that we're trying really? here this was a uh, friday's beer advent calendar So, uh, yeah, not bad, 6.9%, and it's got hazy written all over it, so it's hazy, kind of that paley, hazy color, Uh, mosaic, and Idaho 7.
0: Which which is interesting, because uh, you and I have both had experience with both those hops recently. Yeah. Yeah.
1: well, Fresh Hop Festival, we exactly. had a lot of them. And then yeah. the
0: classes that we took. And then the classes we took actually had both those hops. Yeah. Uh, I think they played really well together in this beer. I'm not a huge hazy IPA guy, but this hazy IPA is very tasty.
1: Yeah, and very drinkable. So and it's Very uh, drinkable. It's-
0: and at the ABV that it's at... Uh, It's more drinkable than I would have given it credit for just looking at the label.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, uh, and as we look at beer number three, uh, this is Heater Allen's Sandy Paws. This is yesterday's beer advent calendar offering. And so uh, this is uh, Heater Allen, which is out of McMinnville. Um, This is their Baltic Porter Sandy Paws. This is the 2021 edition of that. And uh, pretty tasty, 7.5%. So, classic Baltic porter. Um, What do you think?
0: You know, I'm not a a big Baltic porter drinking guy either. Uh, That and the hazy IPAs. But there's... To me, I think maybe it's the order I'm drinking them in that, that's oh, yeah. muting some of the taste. Uh, I'm not getting a lot of what I'd normally get out of a Baltic Porter, but that's also because I just drank a... Uh,
1: hazy IPA. A complete <laughs> hazy IPA, you know,
0: um, bomb in, in front of it. So, But it's very clean. Um, very flavorful. Uh, love the color of it. It's got great color to it. It's great lacing on the glass.
1: Yeah. So remember, uh, Baltic porters. If we actually really dig into a Baltic porter, um, are loggers. Yes. And they're correct. actually lagered. They're not ale. So correct. They're uh, done at a colder temperature there. So interesting, interesting little porter that we got in front of us. So, all right. Well, let's jump into this uh, last part of this uh, Alan Sprints Hair of the Dog interview, and we'll close this out, and then come back and do beer in the news and uh some kickstarter and some timberstock cool all right so let's talk a little bit about brewing and current day brewing so we've spent quite a bit of uh, time in the past and um kind of where we've been we've talked about casks we've talked about bottle conditioning we've talked about the egg Um, let's talk about beer now right so beer's evolved over time in portland The brewers have changed and people come up with these variations. I'm doing sour and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Um, where are we going? We talked about school and the effect of school on beer and right, and so things theoretically have gotten better a little bit with brewing science. So where are we going? What do you you are the crystal ball, you're the magic eight ball, I'm shaking. Where are we going according to Alan?
3: Well, it it seems like we might be going uh, back to the beginning. I know that lagers have been much more popular the last few years. People are drinking uh, much more um, in the fashion that we used to drink uh, years ago. And so um, maybe there is a return to your average 5% alcohol lager that's just meant to be consumed when you're thirsty. Uh, And then I get to come next when you drink the strong beers. <laughs> and so I've been told, yeah, everything goes in circles. And so we're waiting for that circle to come back to the uh, contemplative beers.
1: So so when I look at Hair of the Dog and I say, look, how do we get more people here? How do we get more people interested in the strong beers? Because that's really what, when I when I covered a niche for you, is strong beers, right? So I come here and I'm like, I can have, and we talked about this, your, your whole idea of beer and getting into brewing I can have a beer and get the same effect, right? From drinking one beer than I can drink a half rack of Ice. I actually ice. came
3: up with a, a kind of a tagline.
1: Okay, go for
3: it. Less filling and taste great. <laughs>
1: Love Van, it. Old old school, Bravo. but kind of opposite, right? So
3: so And but, I think people need to realize that that just because they're strong yeah. beers, they don't need to be afraid of them. Exactly. And a lot of people are afraid of beers that are higher in alcohol. And so I think, as long as you consume them in smaller quantities, you'll find that there's actually more interesting flavors. So, is there a strong beer festival? Uh, well, there is all over the, the world. Do you have a strong beer here, festival here in Oregon? Every day is a strong beer festival here <laughs> yeah, in Oregon. Bullshit!
1: Bullshit! <laughs> no. So, I mean, how do we? How we, we
3: sell beer in tasting glasses? You can get four ounces <laughs> of more strong beers than you probably should but be that's tasting. That's a great
1: point. Right. So what I'm, where I'm going with that is in the social media world, and in the current world, is how do you, how do you make hair the dog relevant today? Because eventually the pendulum will come back from light beers, the pilsner lager stuff, to strong beers, right? So, but what is the mechanism that we do that? And so you're you're active on social media. I would actually say that you're more active as an owner on social media than most owners on social wow. media. So. Wow. The, like well, said, my son does, doesn't believe that. <laughs> well, maybe he can take a next level.
3: So, you know, but what I mean, is like, next level? You know, like you said before, one thing that I can rely on is that I need to lean into what we're known for, yeah. and so I'm not necessarily trying to reinvent the world. I'm trying to provide people with something that's really pleasurable that they might not have experienced before. Yeah. For some reason, I always wanted to be unique and different. And I I think that in some way, I am unique and different. And so um, a lot of the beers that I make are not necessarily new beers. They're beers that have been made throughout the years. But I'm trying to, I guess, resurrect them and present them to people today. Uh, We have one fermenting right now, a Doppelbach that I'm really proud of. It's named after a friend of mine uh, from uh, Sweden. Uh, His name is Jorge. And uh, it's a Doppelbock that we produced last year for the first time, and we produce it again this year. So it's just finishing lagering now, and it'll come out next month. Uh, But it's a delicious example of what a Doppelbock can be. And uh, it's great to drink that and think about Jorge.
1: Alan, I appreciate the time. What a wonderful way to end the interview. I, I love the idea of talking about, again, you are who you are. You do what you do, and it holds up, and you're you're recognized throughout the world. Um, this has been an awesome interview. I appreciate your time. And, again, the hospitality has been wonderful. Listeners, I think the most importantly, um, come out and check out Hair of the Dog. So we're sitting down here by OMSI in, I believe this is technically southeast Portland. Inner southeast. Technically, yeah. yeah, inner southeast. Lots to do down here, but the biggest thing to do is come to Hair of the Dog. So this is a place that we've appreciated for years. And uh and the beer is again, it doesn't get better. So it is fantastic. You're too kind. Thanks so, so much. It's right. fun. Take care, man. Alan Sprints.
0: The man, the myth, the legend.
1: Man, <laughs> Mr. Cool. So well, uh I think that was and, and you summed it up. I think that's probably one of the funnest interviews we've done.
0: Absolutely.
1: Most educational interviews we've done. Oh, very definitely. And um, and I look forward to seeing what comes next on the Legacy series. So,
0: And from like a a history of Portland brewing standpoint, that, that was gold. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were, it was so, so deep in um, stories and lore and history and all of that. And again, I feel fortunate we had the opportunity to... Um, Again, Yellowstone watchers out there, the one rule or the rule <laughs> that you're supposed to live by is that uh, you don't deserve that. Yes. We didn't deserve that interview. We didn't so deserve that was it, we got it. Yeah. It was so, amazing. All right. Well, um, let's switch gears. Uh, so, again, quick review. So we've had The Badlands Pilsner by Heathen. Yep. Rap Majesty by Ghost Town. Yep. Sandy Paws, Baltic Sandy Border. Sandy
0: Paws Baltic.
1: By Heater Allen. And now we are enjoying this uh, very, very big barrel aged imperial oh, stout. Yes. So.
0: very dangerous beer.
1: This is uh, by Matchless, and it's an English toffee beer, um, and it's as sweet as it sounds. So, but it is uh, it's good. Like it tastes it's like an English really toffee really bar.
0: Good. Yeah. So. Very dangerous beer.
1: Yeah, um, that's a. Uh, it's boozy and it's strong, and you know it's strong. Yeah. But it tastes good, man.
0: It'll put you to sleep real quick.
1: All right, well, let's switch over. Beer and the news. We interrupt our program to bring you a special broadcast. Beer news. And these are the stories of beer news from around the region.
0: From around the region.
1: Well, when we dig into this beer news here, I guess the biggest one is the Hills Brew Festival.
0: What?
1: This is a uh, Washington County Beer Festival Part Two. Uh, oh. This is uh, Art Lawrence, uh, his festival. Him and uh, I believe it was Teddy put. Uh, we're going to put on the one earlier in September. and COVID smacked it. COVID smacked it down with a resurgence, and well, so let's,
0: let's hope it doesn't happen
1: again. This is Over the Hills to Hills Brew, February twenty fifth to the twenty seventh. So we got a couple day festival. And you can do tickets, and it's a new Washington County uh, convention center they built there off the Max Line in Hillsboro. um, And it's going to have a lot of beer. So when you talk about it, they're going to be talking about beer selections from 30 of the state's best breweries. 30. Yeah, best. Best breweries. I have no idea how they're selecting that.
0: Yeah, no idea.
1: Art didn't call me. He didn't say, hey, Jason.
0: Well, but, you know, Art's, a, Art's pretty knowledgeable on beer. Yeah, so. I expected a call and said Jason, what do you think? 30 of
1: the best breweries. <laughs> no call. I mean, look what our selection is today.
0: It is pretty fantastic. You know I'll what I would tell that. Art?
1: We need to do all English toffee beers. All English toffees. That's it. Yep. Ever 30 English toffee beers. All barrel-aged. Barrel-aged beers. So. Yep. So anyways, uh, Hills Brew Festival, February 25th to the 27th. Um, Looks like it's going to be a great time out in Hillsboro. So sign up and go to it. But that's uh, the biggest thing on my mind is like, how do I go to that thing? That's right around the time Dark Arts is usually.
0: Yeah, what is that? Like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing? Yeah, I think it's Friday,
1: Saturday, Sunday. Yeah,
0: that is right about the... Same time frame as Dark Arts. Well,
1: they called off Dark Arts. Dark Arts is not going on this year. What? And then the other thing is, because we went two years ago. Yeah. Um, dark Arts has decided to do this membership thing where they've got basically a club, or Fort George's, oh. and you basically get pre-sign up for, in to be a part of their club. Uh-huh. And Dark Arts is part of that, as well as the Lupa Festival they've got. The oh, uh, big poppy festival thing. Interesting. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Dark Arts. Because, Everything's
0: going clubbish. Yes, clubbish.
1: Yeah, I mean the thing got big enough that they can probably do that, right? So
0: probably, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were probably selling out every year within what was it? Minutes?
1: Yeah, I mean within minutes on Black <laughs> Friday every year. So. <laughs> um december 2nd to the 4th so that uh was yesterday or this weekend uh, was the washington brewers guild 2021 washington pint days um and so that was taking uh place at the washington brewers guild member brewery so basically it sounds a lot like uh zwickle
3: but for the washington side of things so we'll have
1: to get an update on how that went this past weekend and then uh, other Oregon big news is Bent Shovel purchased uh, the Viewpoint Restaurant and MacGyver Outpost Store. So uh, um, the Estacada Group, Bent Shovel, yeah. uh, is now expanding. So a lot of these, like, uh, we, and we've talked about this, neighborhood pubs
0: are growing.
1: Yeah, and so these these known brewers or breweries in the area are popping up in your neighborhoods. So kind of cool to see stuff popping up. And um, Ecliptic, yeah. good old John Harris, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Well, that's another legacy guy we gotta get. Oh, on. yeah, we
0: gotta get that guy.
1: Ecliptic Brewing is gonna release its orange giant barley wine plus three variants, oh, so God. that is coming up. Uh, look for that. But they are gonna have this uh, orange giant barley wine, and uh, essentially, they're gonna have a dry hopped edition, the regular barley wine edition. A Rye Barrel Aged Orange Giant.
0: Ooh.
1: A Bourbon Barrel Aged Orange Giant. And uh, and that's what you got. So it sounds like they're kind of doing what um, Abyss did a few years ago, where they took their their big barley wine or their big huge imperial stout and are releasing different variations. Mm -hmm. Different
0: variations of it.
1: Um, And then other news. I don't know if this is official, but uh, Tim, digging in, heard that Abyss is now going to be not just a seasonal offering. It's going to be a regular offering. That's what
0: he was saying.
1: And uh, this year's Abyss was actually brewed in April of this year.
0: Which is not in line with what they usually do. No,
1: no, no. no. So, so big changes for Abyss. As I told Tim, this might be my last year of Abyss. Yeah,
0: so. they, they might have outgrown their novelty on that one.
1: You know who else has? I think Crux with Tough Love, man. Yep. I just found Tough Love over at Costco. And I'm like,
0: what is going on?
1: Like, yep. everybody's jumping the shark and, like, looking to chase this. And, I mean, how big is too big is the question people should be asking.
0: Exactly.
1: But All right. Well, that is beer in the news for this week. All right. Beer in the news for the week. So... Lots, lots,
0: not really happening, man. Not a lot, yeah. but uh, one of the one of the things that came up in that beer news is a common theme that we like to bring up in this uh, this podcast is how big is too big? Yes, we're starting to see that recurring theme show up quite often lately.
1: I agree. I agree. Well, let's jump over to Kickstarter. You ready for this big, big, big Kickstarter, my heart? Oh yeah. kickstart my heart this is where we uh, look at the crowdsourcing on kickstarter to see what's going on in the beer world so yeah some of our favorite beer inventions beer games have come from kickstarter they even, have even breweries yes timber patch brewing so timber
0: patch brewing came from it
1: well, let's let's check in with a couple of these. I don't see too many new projects, but uh, certainly we talked about a few weeks ago um, a couple of these. So the dog pub and beer darts, the game, yeah, um, are sitting there. And so, Beard arts.
0: how are they doing?
1: Uh, beer darts is sitting at forty nine percent funded, <laughs> ten days to go, and they are currently at forty nine hundred bucks. So wow, they're well short of their ten thousand uh, dollar goal with ten days left to go.
0: That one I can just see a lawsuit happening. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep, just saying, guys. Beer darts. So, and then the dog pub. Hang with your dogs and friends at the same pub. Um, this has forty-four days to go. This is a new one. Yeah. Much like the paws and pints we talked about a few weeks yeah, the ago. Yeah, dog park one. Yep. yep. And the dog park is uh, sitting at one hundred and twenty-six bucks. Ooh. Twenty-two days to go, and that one hundred and twenty-six bucks means it's zero percent funded. Yikes! Yeah, so I don't think people are too into the dogs. They're probably
0: and, not into drinking and having their dogs run around.
1: You know, I think they're not tapping in. Like dog park people are like fired up, and so I think they need to advertise this on a social media post. Yeah. to dog park people. Yeah, they
0: probably do because that I think would people would go up for it. Then. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, just but you the gotta do- get the right channels. Totally, you just gotta find that. So, but the dog pub, which is totally different, it's in Asherville. Um, hang with your dogs and friends at the same time We used to have one of these in Tigard um, It's sitting at a, a $1 being pledged 44 days left to go A buck? One buck somebody gave Wow And so uh, this is again a dog pub a private dog park that serves beverages oh private
0: private yeah yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah that makes sense
1: so asherville north carolina so if you're interested in uh, and you're in the north carolina area and you want to give some money for a private dog park That's that serves one. beer this is the one so.
0: absolutely
1: um, and i'm just looking through here beer facts well as we jump into beer facts i thought we'd check back in with those guys yeah. and see what happened to them um, they six, were
0: fully funded, weren't they? Yeah,
1: they fully got funded. 61 yeah. backers pledged 5,400 bucks and change. And uh, as of October 31st, this thing's going to print. So nice. These guys are dialed in. So cool. But that is a that's a look at what's going on in the beer world on Kickstarter. There's no homebrewing stuff lately. None. And um, a lot of beer games. We see a lot of interesting beer games. Um, People are getting
0: bored at home.
1: They are. There are. Yeah. So, and lots of beer, like, glasses and slash steins. Yeah. But no, like, cutting-edge homebrew stuff. Wow. But, I mean, maybe we need to invent something and put it on here.
0: Well, you know what happens when people sit around and drink beer at home, right?
1: You take a nap?
0: Yeah. They lose their whole creative (laughs) side. It just (laughs) kind of disappears. That's right. That's (laughs) right. So, all
1: right. Beer Kickstarter, my heart. All right. We're back. You hear that fan noise? Yeah. Recognize the song? No. <laughs> Green is the color, baby. Yeah. You know what time that is? Oh. It's time to talk some
0: timbers. Yeah, time to talk timbers, boys.
1: Well, so uh, <clears throat> for the listeners, those that don't know, this is an old vintage Timbers Army song. Uh, not Timbers Army song, Portland Timbers song from back in the day. Way back. So this is in celebration of the Timbers making uh, the final. So yes. hats off to the guys. Um, I didn't think you had it in you. So.
0: <laughs> I, I didn't either. Um, it, it's amazing they have pulled it off. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see the impact that uh, – Sibo may or may not make in the last game. Oh, yeah. Because they had him on the bench ready to go, but uh, it was good they got to rest him. So it'll be interesting to see if he's fully healed. I don't think he's going to be. But but I think they're going to need everything that, that they've had in the past few games and a little bit more to pull this one off. Yeah,
1: I mean, so for the listeners that don't know, uh, Portland Timbers are facing New York City uh, in the uh, MLS Championship, and it will be hosted at Providence Park. Which um, is
0: amazing.
1: First time ever that a trophy's been hosted here, as far as a major trophy. hmm And uh, so we come in as a uh, four seed, but uh, had more points than New York City. Correct. And so that's the reason we're hosting it out. Yep. So... It should be a, a good match. So, again, uh, you know, we've had some injuries um, all season. Yes. think about Polo and Williamson and some of the key, key starters. Some
0: of our key guys. And
1: then Seba in the last game uh, pulled up lame up in Colorado and we and then didn't make the Salt Lake game because of it.
0: Well, and we lost to Spria due to a red card. And then a spree had the, the red card, now yeah. Now the question is, is this Spria back for this game?
1: He is back, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah, so so we got some speed back. Well, remember he's the player of October. He's Mister yeah, October.
0: Yeah, and we're in December now.
1: Yeah, so there's that's two months removed, man.
0: But the speed, the speed's a threat.
1: That's right, speed's a threat. So, so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not offering predictions. I think uh, I went into the Salt Lake game thinking we were going to get blown. Like two one three one yeah, and we pulled it out. We came out and punched him in the mouth, and we did it. So it was nice. uh, We'll see what New York City looks like. Uh, They certainly have the Golden Boot guy. They do, but he did not look impressive in the last couple games. No, and so uh, we'll see. We'll see what this looks like. So he um, dangerous dude, dangerous team. uh, Obviously financed by, I believe, Man City finances (laughs) the team. So uh, a lot of money there, a lot of money, a lot of hype going on about this team. Yeah, they'll play at Yankee Stadium, so yes. they're used to playing on smaller fields like ours. Which,
0: which, yeah, you know that could be a benefit to them, but it, it could also go, you know, go against them.
1: Yep, yep, totally. So I don't know. Um, so the big the big deal now is that the Timbers Army's all up in arms. All the all the usual cast of characters is up <laughs> in arms about. <laughs> Um, a, they want the investigation about what happened with the Thorns thing figured out before oh, they're going to sure. renew. So a lot of them are like holding out. They're not buying beer. They're not buying concessions. Yep. And they're not renewing their tickets until there's full transparency. Sure. Well, what the Timbers did for the championship game said, well, we're giving priority seating to those that have renewed. Yes,
0: they did.
1: So the Timbers Army are like, wait a minute. That's not fair. We want to know the outcome. And it's like, Dude.
0: You got to renew.
1: Yeah, you got to renew. You so. got to
0: lock those tickets in, so they got to know what seats are available to the ticket waitlisters.
1: Yep. So the the idea there is that again, you you can protest, but as as I taught my son when he was a young kid, you can make decisions, right? You can show choose to throw a tantrum or yep. protest or whatever you want to call it. Yep. But there's consequences for your actions, exactly. right? Exactly. And I love it when grown adults are like. There shouldn't be consequences. Mm, and there's there consequences. Yeah. <laughs> Life has consequences.
0: Well, and the funny thing is that, that that all those clowns aren't aren't thinking about from the front office's standpoint is the first game in 2022 for the Timbers is in February. Right. Right. That's not that far away. No. They have to know what seats are going to be be available for waitlisters, so those ass clowns just can't sit on their hands, not renew. It's it's just it's a business thing. Right. And and, and it's they're a using time it crunch and thing. they're
1: using it for the championship game, which yeah. again isn't the isn't the way I would necessarily do it. But again, calling foul about it when you're protesting and and throwing a tantrum. Is well, and a lot work?
0: of that is taken out of their hands by the league, too, when it comes to the championship right, game. Right. So it is what it is.
1: Yep. Well, so predictions at all for the game. You got anything you want to uh, offer?
0: Nope. I've got zero predictions. Um, I've had zero predictions from the playoffs on. Yeah, I didn't expect them. One, I didn't even expect them to make the playoffs, and they proved me wrong. Didn't expect them to win the first playoff game. They proved me wrong. Didn't expect them to win the next one. They proved me wrong. So they've been proving me wrong the whole time. I hope they continue to prove me wrong.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like I I said, not making predictions. Other than I think it's going to be a tight game. I think there's the potential for a loss big time. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So You
0: know, if they can get a quick goal, that might change the whole atmosphere. Well, that's what happened to Salt Lake,
1: right? Exactly. That, that first goal against Salt Lake. It just crushed them. Right. And then they had to open it up. And as soon as they opened it up, right, we just transitioned, countered, and them. killed them. So, yep. yeah, it's going to be an interesting time to see what happens because... There's a lot of tape on us and how we play. Yep. Um, and then we are introducing a couple new players back into it, which is what happened to Salt Lake, right? Yes. Their, their DP was came, not, back. came back and...
0: Wasn't able to perform.
1: Yeah, the same way. So is Seba and Espria going to do that to the team? I hope Don't not. Don't know. Yeah, so... All right, man. Well, so we will know Tuesday if we get into the big match or not. Uh, again... Uh, they open up tickets, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so, the
0: seventh is the big day.
1: Seventh is the big day for tickets, and the eleventh is the big match. So correct. Um, we'll see how it plays out, buddy. So go, Timbers! All right. What do we think about uh, homebrew stuff? What's going on with you? You bottled yesterday.
0: Yeah, I bottled the final, the final chapter of. The Christmas beers. Yeah. Um, we're naming it Santa's Little Helper. Oh. Uh, he wasn't very helpful, though. No, no. A <laughs> little bastard took a week longer to uh, go through fermentation than I expected. Um, so it, it, it kind of set me back on bottle conditioning as well as the next brew, which I wanted to do, which was going to be the White Stout. But uh yeah he took a lot longer but I gotta hand it to him because he took longer right The ABV's a lot higher <laughs> is it nice um the anticipated ABV on him was 7.1 and Whoa. he decided to turn around and kick it out at 7.5 so Jesus it's gonna be a good winter winter warmer beer Wow uh, without a doubt.
1: Well, interesting stuff. And then you uh, did not decide to brew the White style.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just didn't get around to it uh, with the, the Timbers um, Western Conference playoff game uh, and the bottling. Just It put a big hamper on getting that done. And then, so I pushed it off to next weekend. But now next weekend, we've got the MLS <laughs> championship game. So... There's a good possibility it may not happen that weekend either. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, especially if we're drinking a bunch and having a lot of fun on Saturday. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling. Um, it, it, it may just get delayed. It, it may be a, a mid-December beer and gets put on tap in January.
1: Wow. Well, I have not brewed anything, but uh, certainly my other little hobby, though, I introduced, um, I did some apple brandy. Oh, Really? And so I took uh, this is my second second batch of apple brandy, and the final run of the apple brandy, I took a tea bag, okay, full of, a stainless steel tea ball I will okay. call it, yeah, yeah yeah, full of mulling spices, and I dropped it into the boiler, and so the liquid that came out was apple brandy with. Mulling
0: spices. Looks well, like some bold wine kind of stuff. Yeah, but oh. from a brandy perspective,
1: oh, yeah. So it is uh the Christmas special. It is an inter- It actually turned out amazingly well, and good. so it got me good, thinking. Good. I was like, "How? What? Uh, what else can we do?" So yeah. Um, so I've been toying around with that, but that's fantastic. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, let's uh, close this bad boy out. We're sitting in an hour and five minutes. Um, Hope you listeners enjoyed the Allen Sprints Legacy series. Yes, uh, we are planning our second Legacy series coming up soon. Uh, we'll announce that very quickly here. And uh, but first, we got to get through this Timbers Championship. Yes, so. we do. Um, as always, rate us, follow us, listen to us, <laughs> tell your friends about us. We appreciate the follows. Uh, Tim beers, Tim beers. Oh yeah, and go timbers
0: oh you gotta go timbers Thanks for listening to the Portland Tim Beers podcast. Be sure to visit the Portland Tim Beers podcast on ACAST.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. If you love the Tim Beers podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time,
3: Tim Beers.